I was early in my 20s, and I was in the fall before uh, the semester when I was going to graduate from college. I, I had an extra semester to do, so I took off the fall and was going to go back in the spring. And so I had a little bit of time to engage in some different things. I had just finished up summer uh, working downtown Denver with my dad's inner city ministry. We had had youth groups come throughout the summer and live downtown with us in the Five Points neighborhood. And we had just finished the Paint-A-Thon, which is about 100 homes getting painted in one day with about 10,000 volunteers, which is as awful to coordinate as you would imagine, okay? And uh, after that, uh, I, was, I was tired. I was exhausted. And so I said to my dad, hey, man, I'm going to get away for a little bit. Uh, I've got this really formative next semester coming up. Got some big decisions to make about the future. And, and so I'm going to get away for a while. So I headed off to one of my favorite places in Colorado, the Flat Tops Wilderness Area. It's part of the White River National Forest, and it is absolutely gorgeous home to one of the largest elk herds in America, if not the world. It is a spectacular place. And so I took my little H-frame army backpack. It's like the external frame. It's not like one of those cool Kelty ones you have these days, okay? It's like hardcore, had external frame, had stuff tied all to it, had some rice and some food and a hatchet. Like, you know Gary Paulson's book, The Hatchet? I was like, I am that guy, right? Okay, other than the airplane and all that stuff, okay? So I head off into the forest, and I thought this was a little poetic. I found this place called Mirror Lake. So I was like, because I'm a, a poet quietly inside, I know that's what you've thought about me before, but like, I'm super poetic, super artsy. And so um, I was like, I'm gonna go to Mirror Lake. I'm gonna reflect on this season of life. I'm gonna reflect on what God has for me next. And uh, what unfolded was uh, an incredible week. I was there for an entire week. The first day I saw two folks uh, hiking in, and the second day I saw four folks who had come up there to fish. And I thought, oh, this is nice. And then I had five days in a row where I didn't see another human being. And it was, it was awesome, and it was crazy-making. I started talking to trees. I started talking to animals. I remember one afternoon I sat on this hillside and I just watched an ant colony go to work and, and bees flying around and thinking, this is the most interesting thing ever. I got stuck in a lightning storm one night. Actually, uh, a couple of ranges away, a couple of guys got struck by lightning in that storm. And that whole night I was thinking, this is it, this is it. I was like, Jesus, I came up here to talk to you, but you're really loud tonight. Um, I don't know what I did. It was an incredible moment, just an inspiring moment in an inspiring place. Do you have inspirational memories? Here's what I want to ask you. What is one particularly inspiring memory in your life? Maybe like me, it's something you did outside an adventure. Maybe, maybe it's something different than that. Maybe it's your, your first big business deal. I mean, you have this vivid memory, this inspiring moment when you thought, I, I'm finally like, I'm going to actually make it in this business. Uh, maybe it's a vacation that came to mind, an inspiring memory around a vacation. You've, you've got one that you've planned, one that you do every single year with your family, 
and you know the place, you, you, you already are planning for it, you love that vacation. It's an inspiring place. Maybe, maybe the inspiring moment that came to mind is a wedding. A lot of you are preparing for those this upcoming summer, these incredible moments where it's vividly inspirational. You can remember everything down to the littlest detail in that story. Uh, see, I, wanna, I want us to engage in, in specific inspirational moments and memories today because I want to talk about something that those moments all have in common. They all have something in common. They were all planned. Uh, uh, maybe a few of them were unplanned, but most of them there was some planning that was involved, and most of them involved a place, a specific place that came to Mind. I want to talk about plans and places. We started this series four weeks ago talking about listening for the whisper of Jesus. Bob opened us up by saying, hey, we're going to talk about promptings, the promptings of God. These moments when you just, you just know God is in that place and, and there's just something in the moment or in uh, that situation that is leading you toward Jesus. You're just prompted toward that, toward that. Um, maybe though, the second week we talked about people. People have been part of the whisperings of God, that you, you have had people speak into your life and speak life into you. And they have in some ways whispered on behalf of God to you. They've reminded you of the truths of God, the good things of God, the scripture that reminds you of who you are in God that these people have come and they've whispered to you or some of them have been a little bit more like a two by four in your life and they've helped you see Jesus a little more clearly. So we've covered promptings and people today. I wanna talk about plans and places. Plans and places. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Just one little verse that I think has a, a lot in store for us. It says this, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. I'm gonna read that one more time. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. Let me give you a little bit of context about what is going on right here. Jesus is preparing for what he knows is his upcoming Betrayal, denial, and crucifixion. He has spent the past week in Jerusalem riding in at the beginning of the week like a king on the back of a donkey with people waving palm branches and singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But he knows that something is coming. He knows that those voices will suddenly change and be yelling something different. Instead of Hosanna, they will be yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And it's, so it's in this moment that we get this tiny little insight into the habits of Jesus, the, the plans and the places of Jesus, where he finds rest and where he vo finds the voice of his father. Here, here's the big idea. Jesus needed this, and I think you need this. You need a plan and a place to hear the whisper of Jesus more clearly. You need a plan and a place to hear the whisper of Jesus more clearly. Jesus had a plan 
and a place to hear from his heavenly father. And I think you and I need a plan and a place to hear the whispers of Jesus more clearly. I think sometimes we think the voice of God comes accidentally. Not very many good things happen in this life accidentally. Lots of bad things happen in this life accidentally. But many of the things that are the most meaningful to us happen intentionally. With intentionality around plans and places where we might listen for the whispers of Jesus. So first, you need a plan. You need a plan to listen for the voice of Jesus intentionally. To take time to go and listen for the whispers of God, you need a plan. And here's here's why I think you need a plan. Because Jesus needed one as well. This is how that passage starts again. Jesus went out as usual. Jesus went out as usual. This was part of his habit, part of his rhythm. This is what Jesus did on a regular basis. It wasn't an accident that he went away to pray. This is what he did. You you could translate as usual to as was his habit. If you trace the, the, the ministry of Jesus, this is the ongoing habit that we see that Jesus often withdraws to solitary places, to quiet places, to hear the whispers of his heavenly father. You would think that the most important man who ever walked the face of this earth, instead of taking time away, would take time to engage fully in the work that he had before him. Like, like, wouldn't you think that the guy who was the most important figure in history would have like a long lineage of like 40, 50, 60 years of working really hard until he retired? No, no, no. Jesus has three years three years of his ministry, and often in the midst of that ministry, he goes away to pray, to quiet himself, to listen for the voice of his father, something that mystified even his closest disciples. You don't even get to the end of the first chapter of the gospel of Mark before you see that Jesus has somehow left and gone up to the mountainside, and everybody's going, where is Jesus? We need Jesus. He seems like he's pretty important, okay? Where is he? They send the disciples off. One disciple says, hey, I think I saw him go up this mountain. They go find Jesus, and they say, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Like, what happens if somebody texts you or calls you eight different times? Aren't you like, well, you usually like, uh, I'm not going to talk to you. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> But like, are, are, does that bug you? Aren't you like, wait, what, what, what is this all about? What do I have to do? What do I, like, wow, how do I respond? Like, imagine if you're the head of a company and, and you're like, I'm gonna take a, a day away. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna quiet myself. And, and, then, and then your CEO comes to you and says, everybody's looking for you. We need you right now. We would respond to that, wouldn't we? Well, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't do that. It's his habit over and over and over again to choose the greater things in life. He's not worried about missing out. 
He's not, he's not worried that he's out of line and has to quick hurry up and be really frantic and figure the next thing out. No, no, no. He knows that if he taps into the voice of his father as his habit, as was usual, he'll have everything that he needs. Jesus didn't do this on accident. Jesus had a plan. As I was studying this passage, it's so cool. The chapter right before this talks about Jesus' habit during that week. Right at the end of chapter 21, it talks about how Jesus was teaching in the temple every single day that week. So he comes into Jerusalem. Everybody thinks he's going to overthrow the Romans. He's the king. He's coming into the temple. He's doing these amazing teachings about the kingdom of God. Everybody's getting really excited. And then do you know what he does every night? He goes to the Mount of Olives to pray every single night that week. He fully engages with people and then he goes to refill, to replenish with his father. This is his habit. This is why Judas knew exactly where to find him. All right. Judas, the villain of the story, spoiler for some of you, right? He betrays Jesus shortly after this and he knows exactly where Jesus is. Why? Well, this is what Jesus does. He goes to the Mount of Olives. That's, that's what his habit is. So, see, we're we're often the sum of our own habits. We are often the sum of our habits. I know that we have these grandiose ideas about who we're going to be someday, these aspirational dreams. I know, you, I know you did that one big thing that one time, but can I tell you this right now? You will actually be the sum of your habits someday. You show me your habits and I'll show you who you want to be someday. You show me your habits, I will show you who you are becoming. I've been kind of obsessed with this idea of habits lately, reading this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Fantastic book, and he talks about habit stacking. How do you stack one habit on top of another habit on top of another habit to create really healthy habits for your life? Because we're really good at creating unhealthy habits for our life. But what he's interested in is helping us create good habits for our life. And so I got really serious about this not too long ago. I thought, man, I, there's, there's something in particular in my life that I need, I need some help with. Like, I'm not healthy enough. And I knew I needed to lose some weight and I needed some better rhythms for my life. And so I thought, man, I, I'm going to do a 30-day challenge. I, I heard of this thing called 75 Hard and I was like, I will do 30 medium. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I created my own little plan, all right? I created my own little plan, and it was super simple, right? I'd go to bed at 10 o'clock every night, and get up at 6 in the morning every morning. Eight hours in bed, even if I wasn't asleep, but I was in bed 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock every single night. And I would get up. And I would build in a couple more habits. I would do devotions for 30 minutes every morning. I would take a walk for 30 minutes every day. And I would do a little 30-minute workout of some sort every single day. Simple habits. I also decided I was just going to eat clean. So I was eating just meat and fruit and vegetables. Lots of salad. Felt like a sin. I'm going to be honest. For like two weeks, felt sinful, okay? Um, 
And so I ate really clean. I drank about a gallon of water every single day. And, and then I didn't have beer at night. I, and, and I was like, oh, this probably isn't gonna make that big of a difference, but we're gonna, like, we're gonna put all these things together. We're gonna stack some habits on top of each other. And we're gonna see what happens. Well, day, day two, day three, nothing's really happening. Day four, I like step on the scale and I'm like, huh, that's a smaller number. And then day five, I step on and I go, huh, it's a smaller number again. Now, we know this. Like, we all want a pill that's like, drop 20 pounds in two days, right? But like, here's the deal, you guys. This is what I learned. It actually takes exercise and eating right. That's what it takes. It's surprise, right? (laughs) The doctor was right, okay? So, and I dropped about 20 pounds in about 30 days, you guys. This is really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, I feel like I'm suddenly at like a little self-help group and I just like, inspired y'all. Okay. Uh-huh. It's habit stacking. What is your habit of being with Jesus? It's the daily habits that are gonna bring you closer to him or further away from him. It's the daily routine, the daily habits that will make the difference over time. You might not see it right away, but after a while, you will suddenly, you'll smell more like Jesus. You'll look more like Jesus. You'll act more like Jesus. You'll think more like Jesus. The more time you spend with Jesus, what is your plan? I don't care if it's 30 minutes a day. I don't care if it's 30 minutes a week, one day a month. I don't, I don't care. You guys are smart make a plan. Make a plan. Tell somebody that you made a plan. That's part of what I do with my 30-day thing too. I told Lori, I'm like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Want to join me? Yep. Okay. I made a plan. Make a plan to listen intentionally for the whispers of Jesus. You need a plan. And number two, you need a place. You need a place. I think this is super fun. So one of the other books that I've been studying is the book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Deep Work by Cal Newport. He talks about how the deep work of our life doesn't happen on accident. That we live distracted lives and we need to quiet ourselves to do the deep work of life. He would pose to us that we are the most distracted people in the history of the world. And I would agree. If you wonder, why am I not happier after I scroll for half an hour? Can I tell you something? Like your, your brain is not meant to look at horrific war crimes and then somebody's vacation and then a dog and then like some crazy political rant. You're, like your brain, your brain is not okay with that. That tells no logical storyline. We are story-driven people. And when you live that frenetically in front of a screen for even a half an hour and you feel like your brain is fried, you want to know why? Because your brain is fried. That's why. That's why. We are so distracted. Is your phone buzzing right now? Like, did, you, did you answer that text message? What was the last text message you just got before you got here? Uh, when, what, what email do you still have to send? What's that email that you still have to send? 
that you didn't send this week. Do you remember that? Adam, Adam, you texted me. I didn't text you back, did I? Right? Not yet. Okay. I will. I'll get to you. We'll just talk afterwards. Okay. Right? How distract chipmunk, squirrel. What? You know what I'm saying? You guys, this is the air we breathe. So then Cal Newport would ask us, how do you do the deep work your soul requires? Your, your soul has a depth that you do not engage with enough. There is a reason that you're exhausted, that you're frenetic, that you're frazzled. You need to stop and find a place and make a plan to slow down, to remove distractions. Cal Newport starts his book by telling the story of, of one of the great thinkers of, our, of modern history, Carl Jung. Now, Carl Jung didn't have enough money to even buy a vacation he, didn't, he couldn't even go on a vacation, but what he did was he, he just saved a little bit here and a little bit there enough that he could buy this tiny little piece of property. And it was not in the Bozeman Valley because he would have needed a lot more money, right? So, but he bought this little piece of property and start by hand, started by hand building just what we would now call like a tiny home, right? A tiny little place for him to get away and for him to concentrate in an undistracted way. Some of his greatest work was written there. And I love this part of it. He had one key for the place and he was the only one that got that key. No one else got that key and he did all the deepest work of his career in that tiny little place that he had set aside. Uh, He probably didn't call it a sacred space, but that's what I would call it, a sacred space for him to work. This is what I want to encourage you to. Do you have a place? Do you have a place? Jesus had a place. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. I love this, you guys. We already covered it. He went there every single night that week. Don't you just love that? Jesus loved the mountains too, right? Like, Jesus would love Bozeman, Montana. He would. Like, he'd be like, this is a great place. You've got lots of mountains, lots of places for me to go and pray. This was his sacred place. He went there to be quiet, to take his dis- disciples. This was one of his whispering spots. This was one of his places. This series is all based upon, loosely based upon, a book called Whisper by Mark Batterson. Mark Batterson tells the story, he's a pastor in Washington, D.C., he tells the, the story of how there's a place where Congress meets, and, and there's this really cool phenomenon that happens in one of the places where you can stand in one corner and have somebody stand in the other corner, and you can whisper into that corner, and because of how the, the building is built, the person in the far corner can hear your whispers. It's, it's a whispering spot. It's a place where things are just a little more clear for you. Where is your whispering spot? Where is your place where you hear the voice of Jesus more vividly? Let me give you a couple of of thoughts. One could be here. If you want a good reason to come to church, it's so that you can quiet your soul. It's so that you can be with others who want to offer prayers and worship. 
and have moments where you're discerning and listening for the voice of Jesus together, collectively. We talk about this all of the time with the tech team and with the worship team. How can we produce an environment where you're inspired, where you're not distracted, where you're, where you're, you're like, we help you. We set the table so that you can engage with God and engage with his word. This, this is a whispering spot. Every Sunday, 9 and 11, if you don't go to church here, find a church, be part of that church, whisper to, together with that church and listen for the voice of God. So that's one idea. Another idea. Turn a spot in your home into a whispering spot, right? So I, I've got this cool little room right above the garage and I'm kind of taking it over lately and um, I'm turning it into an office slash a whispering spot. It's just kind of uh, uh, hard to get to because it's above the garage. So you go down this little hallway and it's, it's up above the garage and so it's super quiet um, and it's a place where I can just, even though I'm still there, I can kind of get away. I go there late at night if I can't sleep, and I go there early in the morning, and, and it's become a, a whispering spot for me. Maybe you could set up a chair in the corner of your room and just say, this is, this is the chair where I'm going to intentionally listen for the voice of Jesus on a regular basis. I'm going to make a plan, and I've got this chair which provides a place for me in this area. You invest far more in things that are far less meaningful than a chair in a corner in a time with Jesus, right? Um, let, let me give you some other ideas. Nature. Like, I think you should, should find whispering spots out, outside. I think that's why most of us live here, is that we love Bozeman. We love the mountains. We love the rivers. We love skiing down the water when it's frozen, and we like paddling down that same water when it's flowing down the river, Right? And so I think that, that the creation around us, it nurtures this whispering, this ability to hear the voice of the creator. And so I would encourage you to, to think about that. Maybe you've got a spot that you say, that's going to become my place. I'm going to go there once a week and I'm going to actually just, I'm going to sit in a hammock or I'm going to, or I'm going to uh, take a lawn chair. I'm going to do something, do something to make that a whispering spot. Maybe you want to do something a little unique like I do with my redneck truck bed. Check this out. So I wanted to show you one of my more unique whispering spots. I'm here in my truck bed. Uh, I bought a topper a couple years ago and did a, a redneck decking system. I built it out of plywood with drawers underneath and camping gear and, and food and storage, stuff for fishing and hunting and getting outside getting them all my other whispering spots uh, out and about. And um, this has become a whispering spot of its own. Uh, I sit back here often. I park it uh, next to streams and creeks and lakes and on the side of mountains. Um, I pop the window open if it's not raining like it is today. It's raining and I'm next to this little creek. And, and I listen for the whispers of Jesus. Uh, I've today got kind of all my gear with me. I did a little bear hunting, which is why I'm all... Cam it up. I've uh, got a cooler and I even brought my slippers. Isn't that, isn't that fun? Yeah. See, comforts of home even in the whispering spot. A couple of books that I'm using for this weekend, a couple of journals, 
Uh, so I'm sitting back here working on sermon and uh, listening for the voice of Jesus, listening for the whispers of Jesus. And so um, just wanted to show you one of my more unique whispering spots. So make a plan. Have a place to listen for the voice of Jesus. It doesn't happen on accident. You, you can do this. And when you do, what you'll be surprised by is that you get nudges from the Lord. Certain passages that stand out to you, certain moments that speak to you, moments of clarity, moments of challenge. Um, and, and for me, this is, this is a regular habit, as you can tell. I, I, I do this all the time. I, I call them my 72-hour walkabouts. My wife's like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. It's like in the outback or whatever. And, but I, like 72 hours with Jesus. I do it all, all, often. Um, my habits around plan and place are, are pretty important to me. And I, and I think they should be important to you because they, they do something within us. And, and I wanted to share in closing um, what this has led me to. Because I'm, I'm not one of those Pastors, you just want to get up here and tell you what to do and then not practice it. I like, I want to live it actually out. And so um, you guys know that the last couple of years have been hard. They've been hard on all of us, in particular for us in the church world. And so last year, I've shared this a few times, but man, it was hard. Like, I was pretty beat up, pretty exhausted, uh, having a really difficult time. It's part of why I got into these books about habits and health and uh, got with a counselor. And, and so just tr- trying to nurture um, my soul back to health. Uh, and, and, I, um, and I spent a lot of time outdoors. And, and one of the moments that was particularly inspiring for me was uh, that, that I was uh, out hunting on None Your Business Mountain. And, um, <laughs> and I was up in a burn, and I had gotten up into the saddle, and the wind was just rushing. And I knew it was like this sacred moment. So I just I stopped, and I sat, and... I just observed what was going around me, and, and I was in this big burn, and I was looking at all the dead trees and how, how it, like, it really caused a lot of destruction and chaos, and I started thinking about like, the last couple of years of my life and how hard it was getting through COVID and, um, and getting us to the point we are today. It came at a really high cost uh, to me and to other staff members, and, um, and in some ways, it felt like, like my forest had gotten burned down. And then something really cool happened. Like the sun just kind of caught the side of the mountain. And, and I just saw this green, green growing where green grass hadn't grown in a long time. Because that's what happens in a burn. That's actually the benefit of a wildfire is that underneath that canopy, all of these new things get to sprout up. And, and, and so I spent some time just reflecting on that moment. God what are you doing? And, and God was just nurturing in me. Hey, um, I'm, t- I'm, I'm taking some things down, Brian, because I want some new things to grow in you. I'm allowing some things to burn and be refined so that some new things can grow in you. And so that led to a big conversation with council members and me and Bob. And, um, and I went and spent some time with a really great friend named Lance Witt. And he helped me put together a life plan. I've shared a little bit of this with you. But, but it really culminated for me in this moment when Lance and I put together this purpose statement. 
This is the deep work of life that I'm talking about. If you don't take time to do this, it'll never get done. So I had 48 hours, no distractions with this uh, guide who helped me uh, with a bunch of different exercises and assessments. And, and then one of the things we got to do was this purpose statement. So this purpose statement right off the, right off the wall uh, there is to live fully and adventurously. This is my purpose statement, all right? To live fully and adventurously by passionately following Jesus, lovingly leading my family, and boldly guiding leaders. I had this moment of clarity with Lance where I said, that's, that's the man I want to be. I don't know if I'm that man right now, but that is the man I want to be. Somebody else will tell the story of me someday, and I want to help craft that story. I want to reverse engineer that story, and I want to help other men do that. That was the moment of clarity for me. I want to help other men do that because I have this deep passion to help men embrace that and live out their legacy. And so this idea of something called Legacy Guides started growing within me. Uh, It's this new venture, this new endeavor for me um, where I'm going to invest a huge chunk of my time and my life uh, in investing in leaders, in particular men, on adventures several-day adventures where we would work through a legacy plan to help them not live life accidentally anymore, but to live life intentionally, to have a plan and to have a place. And, and, and so because of that, we had some more conversations around um, my work around here. Um, and I have loved being part of this crew for three years now, um, but my last official day on staff uh, will be August 31. Um, now I'm not moving. Okay. Cause come on, it's Bozeman. You guys, it's awesome here. All right. I'm not leaving the church. We love you. We love this church. This church is so awesome. And we just, we love it. Um, I'm also, I, I don't know what my, I'm not going to have a title anymore, but I'm like a, a gun for hire. That's what I'm calling it. So like Bob can call me in when I need to rough you guys up a little bit. Um, no, no, no. Um, actually, we're planning on me preaching on a reasonably regular basis, um, but no longer being uh, part of the staff as of uh, the new budget year in September 1. Um, it's, it's a little terrifying. It's really exciting. Um, and it all came because I had a place. I had a plan. Listen for the voice of Jesus. Uh, if you have qu- any questions about that, I'd be happy to talk more ab- about it. I'm obviously really excited about these things, and it's a bit, bit bittersweet even in this moment, but we, I love you. I'm so grateful to you, um, and there, we've got lots of road ahead of us, um, but I did want to share that as well this morning, because I don't want to be just a pastor who gets up here and, and tells you what to do. I want to be a pastor who gets up here and says, I live it out too, and sometimes that causes us to, to make some changes, so... Uh, Let me pray for you, and we'll close. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are here in this place. And Jesus, that you have um, great plans for us. And God, we want to be people who make plans and, and find places to hear your voice more clearly. I pray that for my friends here, that they would um, do that intentionally. That even right now, you would uh, give them a place in mind, a place that you're drawing them to, a a place that you're calling them to, and give them the courage 
and the boldness to make a plan, not just to let that be an idea, a passing thought, but, but to actually execute on that, that they might um, search for you, go after you. Jesus, thank you um, that we can find you on the top of the mountain, that we can find you in the greatest of valleys, and that you sustain our souls. Jesus, we love you. You are the way, the truth, the life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.